1: Just like that, the final just hour of the like Tuesday that. edition is here. Hot Mike with Hunter Withrow. We're back, baby. Outkick Network.
2: Back on Twitter right now.
1: We're there. Radio Network, Wallace we're there. At Outkick. Hey, uh, we're uh, an I hour away. Once
2: again, our shirts are terrific. Oh, Every time you, I Sharon. look up, it just really I, brightens my day. I
1: agree. Uh, we're an hour away from the Major League Baseball trade deadline. Headline's there. Justin Verlander dealt to Houston. He's headed back to the Astros where yeah, they will acquire another, the remainder of the contract.
2: Another big one just dropped. Eduardo Rodriguez, really good starting pitcher for the Detroit Tigers, traded to the Dodgers. So some National World League Series is hopefuls up. are really doing some damage. Um, I mean, i am just first glance, top of my head, from when all this started to now. Rangers, uh, Astros, Angels, Diamondbacks, Dodgers. These are some teams that have been loading up. I'm sure I'm leaving some the out there. The Phillies too. have
1: acquired some pitchers. The
2: Marlins have acquired. You know, they've been yeah, buyers.
1: Which is very uh, surprising.
2: Yes. So, meanwhile, my Atlanta Braves just, you know, Brad Hand apparently is the big big bargain it's that they're going to go for. The 2023 go version for. of
1: Paul Bird.
2: I mean, I, I get it. <laughs> like you're saying, the, the thought is we have the best record in baseball, and we've had three of our starting pitchers out, yeah. and two of them are likely to come back here soon so we don't need to do a lot to be a World Series contender but I see the starting pitching and I'm thinking it's kind of luckily your offense is so good because it's a little bit of smoke and mirrors right now and the bullpen has not been very good lately for the Braves so hopefully a couple of these I think they've acquired four bullpen arms now leading up the trade deadline hopefully some of these guys can hit but I don't, I don't love it when I see what some other National League teams are up to Chad? don't love it.
1: Well, the PGA tour has added Tiger Woods to their, uh, policy board. It's the player advisory committee that he's heading up now. And he he's the face of that. He's the face of the, the PGA really. Uh, so it's a, it's a great headline for the PGA tour who hasn't had one in a long time and they now welcome on Tiger Woods, who I would imagine, uh, is not just doing this to be a figurehead uh, on behalf of the PGA tour. He's doing this to actually give a voice and bring a hammer on behalf of the players who had no voice and, and no say in the merger that took place and that was negotiated under the, uh, the cloak of darkness with the PGA tour with two of their uh, executive board members and Jay Monahan, their commissioner and live golf and, and Saudi. Now you have Tiger involved and Chad. You mentioned earlier, there's one big step that will have to take place in order for the voiceless to not just gain a voice, but also have power with a vote. Yeah, and this was in the uh, this announcement.
2: The framework agreement. First, the players and Commissioner Monahan will work together to amend the policy board's governing documents to make it clear that no major decision can be made in the future without the prior involvement and approval of the player directors. Second, the player director's special advisor, Colin Neville, will be fully aware of the state of the negotiations contemplated by the framework agreement, and as such, Neville will be provided with full access to any documents or information that he requests as being necessary for him to carry out his duties on behalf of the players. Accordingly, the player directors will have full transparency and the authority to approve or to decline to approve any potential changes to the tour as part of the framework agreement discussions. Boiling this down... Players are going to have to know everything going on at all times. They're going to have a liaison that's going to tell them everything that's going on at all time. And they have approval and or veto power on any moves the tour wants to make. Why is this necessary? Because Jay Monahan and his board did exactly what they wanted without telling anyone on tour, any of the players, anything with this merger with Liv. So this is the result of that. And now Tiger Woods is going to have a seat at the table. Well, it's great for the players. It, it, it
1: is. And, and it, from the tour standpoint and Monahan's standpoint, uh, for the players who backed and were loyal to the PGA Tour, why would they be loyal now moving forward? Well, now they actually have a say and a voice once this uh, changes with the, the overall policy and protocol. Um, Northwestern football, they've hired Skip Holtz, Uh, The current head coach in the USFL for the Birmingham Stallions, but a a longtime veteran in college coaching, son of Lou Holtz, Uh, he is going to be uh, brought on as a temporary assistant for their interim coach, David Braun, who takes over after Pat Fitzgerald was fired. This is a stabilizing opportunity. You bring in Holtz, who is just a top-to-bottom great guy, and uh, a chance to survey things outside or looking into a program that it you know, was was bad to begin with. And now, you know, how do you survive? How do you keep the program moving forward with the investigations that are going on now that a former attorney general has been hired to lead that investigation uh, through the university? And uh, it, it's a it's a not I wouldn't say outside the box. We, we've seen temporary assistants come in or uh, at, coaching advisors, uh, assistant to the head coach. Uh, where veteran guys come in maybe just barely into retirement and they go in to help a, a program or a coach that's maybe a first-time head coach or come taking on a new program at, a, at a, the next tier up in college football. Uh, this is different, though, where you'll have Holtz help stabilize what's going to be a, a crazy season that kicks off against Rutgers uh, in the first, what, first weekend of September. And that will just get it started based on everything else that will come from this investigation, which will be made public, that according to President Michael Shill. I I don't dislike the move,
2: but I do think it's an awkward move, or it has the potential to be awkward. When you've got David Braun, who was hired to be a defensive coordinator from the previous coach who got fired for a hazing scandal, Mm -hmm. and now he is thrown straight from the frying pan into the fire as head coach with a group he hasn't been around that long – And now he is leading a team through a Big Ten season facing all this adversity. And it's as
1: if you're bringing in a hall monitor that has served as a head coach in college football. Well, the hall hall monitor is already in the locker room now. They've put someone to to monitor the hazing allegations already.
2: But you're also putting in a guy who has got a good reputation, has been a head coach in college, has been a head coach in professional football, that outwardly threatens your own position. I mean, whether we want to say that or not, this is how anyone would think. If you have a job and you took over for someone that got themselves in trouble and you're thrust into a difficult decision and your boss says, hey, we're going to hire a special advisor who has been successful, who has a lot more experience than you have, and they're just going to kind of stand over here and help you with some certain things and monitor and talk to the team at times and see what's going on, I don't think many coaches will take that the right way. Now, does David Braun deserve to you know be handed everything he wants? I don't know. Probably not. And I think Skip Holtz is a good guy who's going to do good things. But it's awkward. I mean, well, I think it's awkward because I, I immediately took this as, this could eventually be a tryout for both these guys to be what? the stabilizing head coach at Northwestern for the next two to three years. But I
1: mean, if I'm David Braun, I also know the assistants that are on the staff currently are not going to be back. They're gone. And from his stance, like, uh, who knows if Derek Gregg the ad is back who knows about Michael Shill moving forward if, if this continues to be a PR nightmare with how they've handled things uh, I say that to say like who knows who's in place to actually retain him when it's all said and done like that would be, I would have zero uh, optimism if I'm him other than just showing I can come in and like keep the boat moving in a certain direction and, and keep it from, you know, tanking and just keep your head above water because right now it's very difficult to do, no matter if you have skip holes there or not.
2: Well, I think from David Braun's perspective, I'm looking at it selfishly. If I'm him, the good news is this could be a move to make sure that you have someone who can report back. If your staff who knows they're going to be gone, because they're all Pat Fitzgerald guys is acting in some way or working in some way against you or the program that can monitor those interactions and make sure everyone's doing their job that they're paid to do for this year and being a professional. And you can kind of have that consistency and someone that can see how everything flows together and look at it. That's not the head coach. That's not David Braun spying in on meeting rooms and make sure everyone's doing their job and checking in on everyone while also being the head coach. Maybe Skip Holtz can assume some of that responsibility for the program. And if that's the case, that's a good thing for David Braun.
1: Well, and if, you in, if you end up, based on in this investigation or anything moving forward, now that you're into the season, Holtz could step in and coach practically any spot. You know, if, yeah. if it's just one guy. It, you, it could be a lot worse. Uh, but they retain the coaching staff just to keep the season going. And it's the same players in the locker room, too, yep. that are now going to be interviewed through the former attorney general that uh, oversees this investigation. And we said earlier, like, uh, if they're really doing what the the, uh, report laid out and what the press release laid out a couple of weeks ago about how they were going to do this external investigation from the top down, broad sense through the athletic program, through the athletic program's office, to see if it's in line with the university's academic standards and policies, and then what's in place moving forward. If they're really doing that, they're also looking at Greg, the AD, and they, they would have to look at what Michael Schill, the president, has been overseeing ultimately because he's been the voice of the university. Uh, haven't heard much from Greg, a little bit but not much. And here we are with a, another investigation, uh, supposedly independent, but it's uh, at Northwestern's request to go in and have at it with different paths as to what they're looking for and the advice and determination of where they could be headed versus where they want to be headed ultimately. And I, I mean, it's also a university, Chad, that no matter what result is negative in any way, they don't, it's not like they're putting every effort in to the athletic program as it is. They're struggling even with Pat Fitzgerald, Mr. Wildcat to get a new stadium. So I don't think it, it, it turns out great in any fashion here, but it's just more monotony. And who wants the job after this year based on these results? That's ultimately what they're... They're, they're defining the, the job description for who they want to hire.
2: Well, Northwestern sports has long been an allegiance of convenience. You know, we don't hear from all the sports media members that went to Northwestern until they go to their first ever NCAA yeah. men's basketball tournament. And then suddenly I find out all these writers that I never knew went to Northwestern <laughs> all went to Northwestern because they're all celebrating Northwestern success. I say that in that... They are an academic university first, and that's the pride there. And when the athletic department embarrasses them for something like this, it's going to be put aside. It's not going to be top of mind, front burner issue for Northwestern grads. They're just not going to think about it or get into it or worry about it. That's the difference between Northwestern and a lot of other big-time athletic programs in the Power Five. People can put it aside. Allegiance of convenience. That's what it is with Northwestern alum and
1: fans. And that's what they're trying to just get back to based on advice in yeah. the investigation without the turmoil and uh, lawsuits that are involved oh, yeah, the, here.
2: the president shill right now would love to just say, yeah, ignore us for right now. Let's not worry. Don't worry about yeah. Northwestern athletics. Let's forget about this record we're about to have and everything we're about to go through. A lot of through Big Ten programs. And get back to being more concerned with the, the journalism department.
1: Chad, uh, all eyes on Shane Beamer at South Carolina for that next step up for the program that he's building and having success with year after year, since he's arrived, they've now landed their second five star for next year's class. They've got Nick Harbor coming in, which was announced uh, the tight end uh, from earlier this year. Uh, and now they have a five-star edge rusher to join him. This is a program that prior to Beamer arriving, had recruited seven five stars total in the history of the program and now they've got two and momentum to back it along with some big wins at the end of last year which normally i'd say you know it's hard to carry momentum over from a bowl game or uh, from a, a a rivalry win the year prior because of all the turnover but they're retaining a lot of players including rattler who's got an amazing ride for 2023 uh, what is it, a G-Wagon that he has? You said yesterday. Yeah, his uh, sticker price was
2: $179,000. So I think on the Mercedes that he owns. I, I, I'm doing curious, IL like, deal.
1: What, what becomes of the the South Carolina program? Are they this year's version of what Tennessee was a year ago, where they can they win more than even what's expected on a high ceiling that continues to rise? Or are they last year's version of Kentucky that was a – real letdown based on preseason expectations. I mean, I, th- I think they're closer to where the Vols are than where Kentucky is based on the momentum that continues to grow for Beamer. Yeah,
2: I mean, I look at them they're just a problem. I think they're a growing problem for some big-time programs that have had success. Do I see them as an 11-win team the way Tennessee was a year ago? Well, no, but I also didn't think Tennessee was going to win 11 games right. going into last year. So could they be that surprise? Maybe would be a Maybe. nine-win team, though. We're going to know a lot early. They open the season with North Carolina on September 2nd and Drake May. So if they win that game, that could propel them to some pretty huge things. Their schedule, tough, but not the toughest. They go to Georgia. They go to Tennessee. They go to Missouri. They get Florida, Vandy, and Kentucky at home in, in Columbia this year. I think all winnable games. They close the season with Clemson. That North Carolina game to open is going to be a big one, big swing game for them. But with Spencer Rattler and the experience at quarterback, you mentioned Harbor, also from the D.C. area, like Dylan Stewart. So they're doing really well there. Recruiting's going well. There is a – with a program like South Carolina, this is not a knock on Shane Beamer, but anyone there. You know, Steve Spurrier had great success at South Carolina – but Steve Spur was a national championship winning coach and coach in the NFL by the time he got to South Carolina. To sustain it at South Carolina, it is a program that can recruit well and survive on sizzle. And they've had back-to-back years where they've overachieved, but they haven't won huge. But they have overachieved based on expectation. It's one that you've got to deliver huge if you want to sustain it. So this year or next year, they would need to be a 10-11 win team. If they can do that, then you can sell legitimate on-field college football playoff level success or being in that discussion. If they can do that, then look out. But right now, I view them more as a problem for some bigger programs, but not really a part of the mix
1: and if they don't, of the biggest if programs. And if it's not the really next year, do they win enough to keep the five stars there before entering the portal? That's the other. If key Spencer for every Rattler coach.
2: plays like he did in the last two games of regular season, look out.
1: What did Nathaniel Hackett say today in response to Sean Payton? That's next on Hot Mic.
3: Hey, I'm a dad, and I know what dads want for Father's Day. They want steak, world class Omaha steaks. Look, dads deserve top quality American beef, and that's what you'll get with Omaha Steaks as their Father's Day gift. I gift Omaha Steaks constantly to guests on my show, Urban Meyer. The football coach, Mike Krzyzewski. The basketball coach, Kevin Pritchard, general manager of the Indiana Pacers, just to name a few, have received the gift of steak, Omaha Steaks, from me. Order mouthwatering gift packages starting at just $99, and as a bonus, use promo code DAN to get $10 off your order. Give the gift that I give to guests on my show. mouth-watering gift packages from Omaha Steaks starting at just 99 bucks. and as a bonus use promo code DAN to get $10 off your order. Sack up and get your dad something he'll love this Father's Day.
1: 6th and Peabody, our location with E-Hop Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine with Withrow with you for Hot mic. Chad, how would you describe Aaron Rodgers' comments regarding Sean Payton and what he said about Rodgers' offensive coordinator, Nathaniel Hackett? Matter of fact. Yeah.
2: That's how I describe it. Very Keep resolute. Keep my
1: coach's name out of your mouth.
2: Very resolute in a response to what he deemed was uh, inappropriate of Sean Payton to talk about and discuss and violated an unspoken gentleman's agreement amongst the fraternity of coaches, basically to not piss on the previous coach when you take over for a job, especially in the NFL
1: coordinators. This uh, happens
2: more in college. I think that it does the NFL.
1: No doubt. Uh, coordinators speak once a week. Nathaniel Hackett spoke today earlier today. Uh, and while he says he's not surprised that, you know, people are saying he didn't do a good job. He did mention what Chad just alluded to about the code within a glass house for all coaches.
0: Before we get started, I, j- I just want to say something real quick. Obviously, last week has been a uh, very unique week, I think, uh, for, for this organization. And, um, you know, I, I've been involved in this business my whole life, 43 years. And uh, as a coach, you know, as a coach's kid, uh, you know, we live in a glass house. We know that. We all live in different rooms. We all got a key for it and it's one of those things that there's a code there's a way things are done in that house and you know this past week it's 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 frustrating and it sucks but uh we're all susceptible to it there are things that you do mistakes you make and it costs you time on the field costs you your job all those things and i own all that stuff i mean it's that fact i got no excuses that's how we live here at the new york jets that's how we've lived everywhere i've been no excuses so I own all those things. And um, it's, it's unfortunate that that had to happen, uh, that the comments that were made, but hey, they did. I, I'll tell you, I was probably more surprised that they happened now, was definitely expecting them in week five. So I, I'm, I'm almost thankful uh, that we got that you know, out of the way. We all understand where, where, where uh, certain people feel and think. And I'll tell you, you can always look at that silver lining and man, this organization, these players, uh, the coaches, Sala, just the entire organization, Woody, I mean, Jaime, I mean, Gelfand, everybody has been unbelievable. I think that's something that is just awesome. It's brought our team together. Uh, even the old players that I've coached uh, very recently, you know, just being able to, you know, h- hear them and um, it makes you understand uh, that you do this for a very specific reason, for the love of the game, for the love of teaching, for the love of watching people grow. And uh, there's ups and downs, never get too high, never get too low, and uh you know, got to love this stuff. So,
1: Nathaniel Hackett taking the high road there uh, and in acknowledging what he should acknowledge, that the players and his head coach, Robert Sala, coming hard to his defense uh, and Sean Payton having, he didn't step back from the comments, but he did say he regretted saying it uh, to USA Today and Jarrett Bell. It, man, I cannot wait for the week five game because this all stirs back up and I can't wait for hard knocks. Because we will see, uh, if they're really defending Hackett this way, and, and they do have the final cut before it airs on HBO, but if they're defending Nathaniel Hackett the way that they have, have already done, they won't cut out the raw reaction to when they find out this stuff and what they're talking about going on and off the practice field, either with him or with Salah and uh, uh, Rodgers, whatever. I'm, I'm very eager to see how it's the, re- the response in real time while cameras were rolling and what's allowed in that show.
2: Yeah, I, I, he d- he did a good job of taking the high road. He also didn't deny that he did a bad job. He said, oh, "I let right. him glass out." I, I mean, I don't make That's any excuses. Why he expected it. Yeah, yeah. You know, the record uh, is what it was. I mean, I'm I'm reading between the lines, paraphrasing what he's saying, but basically, he had those things to say. I'm just, you know, uh, it's unfortunate he decided to make those comments publicly. To where we're answering questions about it. He seemed to be more against the distraction it caused. That Aaron Rodgers had to answer a question about it. Now he's talking about it. But I like that he said, I expected this in week five. Mm -hmm. There was going to be stories written about my time there. I expected some distractions that week. Playing those guys again. And I'm with you Hutton. Now that adds a different layer of hatred. It does. For that game. When those teams meet. And you know there's going to be some talk. Going back and forth when it's Broncos and and Rodgers defending his guy. And, I mean, if the Jets win, they're going to put Nathaniel Hackett on their shoulders and probably march him off the field. You know, if they beat the Broncos, there's going to be a lot of different – there's going to be so much subtext to the main text of that game that's going to make it even that much more fun. Well, I
1: can't wait. And then if if Peyton does his job and what he's saying is accurate with Russell Wilson, that he was used in a manner that did not benefit anyone, including Russell Wilson, is not on him. It's on the worst coaching job in the history of the league. Uh, If that's accurate, then Denver's off to a a great start as well. And Russell Wilson is back to the player that we saw in Seattle. And you have both quarterbacks going head-to-head there. If it's the way –
2: if the Broncos don't turn around from what they were a year ago and it's more of the same under Sean Payton, that should be a blowout for the Jets – Based on their roster and getting Aaron Rodgers. I don't think that's going to be the case, though. I think Sean Payton
1: goes in and does a good job. And it's going to be a really good game. Two great defenses, too. By the way, that game is in Denver, which adds to the magnitude of all of that. I'm just laughing
2: now, thinking about uh, Aaron Rodgers and the offense carrying Nathaniel Hackett off on their
1: shoulders at Denver after the season he had with the Broncos. Not even a full season. Chad, we saw DeMar Hamlin, not carry, but carted off the field in Cincinnati. Uh, after uh, the cardiac issue that we, in real time, you feel like you, you're watching a player die. And, you know, they canceled the game. They don't even postpone it. They canceled the game between the, the Bills and the Bengals. And it impacted how they were going to determine playoff seeding and different things where we could, we could have seen uh, a potential AFC championship game in Atlanta. Uh, at the dome there on a neutral field based on how things played out with the seating. Um, And it certainly didn't seem like DeMar Hamlin was going to be back on the field, period. And here he is in camp, full pads, with the Buffalo Bills tweeting this out, the video of Hamlin taking the field. And uh, it's hard to believe that it was last December when this went down, or early January. And here we are uh, seeing him back on the practice field. He's, you know, a backup safety they bring in Tyler Rapp uh, from L.A. this offseason to be the backup safety, presumably, in Buffalo because how could they know how this was going to go with DeMar Hamlin? Now he's back on the training camp roster, eyeing another roster spot, and performing well. He had an interception today in practice for the Bills. It's remarkable.
2: It really is. And um, when it happened and, and he was on the field, I, I'd never once thought about him coming back and playing. You're just praying that he's going to be okay and going to continue to live. live. Yeah. Then that happens, and then you start to talk about, okay, he's out of the hospital. Maybe he is going to come back and play. And now, one training camp later, not just playing, but making a play and making an interception in full pads. I, I, Terrific story.
1: Well, and also, you know, as a part of that story, it was, uh, oh, is that a body double? Uh, we haven't seen Hamlin's face, Yeah, you know? when he was wearing the mask over yeah. and over. and here we are in, in August and he's back on the practice field. Uh, and he discussed that with the media about the emotions of returning to the practice field.
0: I feel with no hesitation. You know what I'm saying? You put yourself in more danger by doing that. So you know what I mean? Like I said, I made the choice to play, you know? but. I'm processing a thousand emotions, you know, I'm not afraid to say that I'm, um, you know, it, it crosses my mind of, you know, being a little scared, you know, here and there. But, you know, like I say, my 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 strength is rooted in my faith and my faith is stronger than any fear. And, you know, so that's that's what I, that's what I want to preach up here. And that's the message I want to spread onto the world that, you know, as long as your faith is stronger than your fears, you can get through anything. And so that's that's what I'm living by right now.
1: I mean, how could you not be scared? Uh, that, that's the other emotional aspect to it. The flip side of it is, oh, he's back, and it's a great story. Imagine returning to the field after that happened, and you know, going through the wave of emotions the last time you put the pads on.
2: Well, there's uh, there's certainly there's got to be PTSD involved to, in yes. that when you get back out there. I mean, I think about that when you see a catastrophic leg or arm injury, yeah, and guys come back from that, and I. I mean, most people would think, okay, every time there's a body around my leg, if you're a quarterback who gets rolled up on or anything, you're automatically going back to the moment you looked down and saw your leg broken in a certain situation or looking down and thinking about something. And it just – it doesn't always – it doesn't prevent you from playing the game, but it's always on your mind from that point on because of the memory of seeing that. Now, imagine being DeMar Hamlin who had to be revived – on the field who was you know c- could have been a goner and then knowing you're back out there playing it's crazy to think about everything that must be going through his head and i'm glad he got a chance to talk about it
1: we don't see many uh holdouts much this time of year anymore in the league uh because most of the holdouts are really sit-ins where you got nick bosa working out a long-term extension that's going to make him the highest paid defensive player in the league um, based on reports it's going to be a blockbuster and, you know, he's, he's there at the facility. He's just not practicing until the deal is done. Well, Zach Martin's the opposite. He's not with the Cowboys. And you've got um, – at the time, this is 2018 or 2019 when he signed his extension uh, that made him the highest-paid offensive guard in the league. That's since been surpassed by a, a handful of players. Quentin Nelson, uh, Lindstrom with Atlanta, maybe one other. Uh, but Martin wants an updated deal. That's – I mean – Fair, considering he's a eight-time Pro Bowler uh, for Dallas, but you've got Jerry Jones, who's like, "Hey, we're yeah, we're not doing this extension, and it's because we need the money now. We can't afford to just re-up someone who's holding out. And there are consequences to sitting out. And what he's referring to are the the fines that are a part of the collective bargaining agreement, where based on your tenure in the league, first. First contract, I believe is $40,000 per practice that you miss uh, or per day. Doesn't necessarily have to be a practice if you're holding out uh, per day at the facility during camp and then 50,000 for veterans after that. And that's what he's referring to here. And he says, Hey, uh, we're going to have to have a, a resolution. Um, Martin needs to show up and this isn't about precedent. It's about facts based on where they are salary cap wise and the money allocated to other positions.
2: I, I love how direct he's being here and not, he's not sidestepping it. He's not dancing around the issue. He's just saying, I know you want a contract. We're not doing it. We can't right now. This is the situation we're in in the salary cap. We're not doing a contract extension. Wouldn't you much rather an owner just be up front? I, mean, you- I go back to the Ursa thing. I know we had John McLean on saying, this is a textbook lesson in how not to handle A player having a dispute, but part of me also sort of appreciates the upfront honesty of what Ursay had to say. Now it was bigger picture stuff with Ursay.
1: Mike, Mike, Micah, oh sorry, but this is too because but Jerry Jones is saying we need the money to sign Micah Parsons.
2: Yeah, yeah, but I'm saying bigger picture about the running backs being disgruntled, not just his own team. Yeah, but Jerry Jones saying it's not going to happen. You know, you're under contract. You need to show up, or bad things are going to happen. And it's going to cost you money. I The quote, we need the I, money. I kind of appreciate the old school approach of both these guys that aren't just kowtowing to the players and their every well,
1: demand. But they don't have, like, the players have kowtowed to the owners in the collective bargaining agreement negotiations whenever those pop up. And so if you don't like the power that is implemented through suspensions or where they are with the gambling policy or the PED policy, or in this case, uh, where you know, certain franchise tag numbers are compared to the rest of the league, running back compared to any other position other than kicker or punter, uh, the the floor would be 18 million on any other positional tag. And there's running back at 10.1, and I think it's around four or five million uh, for the kickers and punters. Point being, if you want that to change, you have to stand firm As a union when that time comes and from the player perspective, it's about, Hey, well, I need to get mine while I can, you know, John, we, we talked to McLean earlier about the, the other players and how they would receive, like, they're not going to say, oh man, like I'm getting 18 on my tag and I feel bad for the running back. No, there's like, they're thinking, thank goodness. I'm not a running back. That's what they're thinking because they're getting theirs and ultimately the running backs sign up to get theirs too, just like Saquon Barkley and others. Jonathan Taylor's not wanting to sell out the season; he's wanting to get traded and play, and he's hoping to get the the contract extension there. And and by the way, Armando Salguero, who will join us tomorrow, uh, NFL uh, writer, senior writer for Outkick, uh, says that both sides are talking Dallas and uh, Martin, but. Jerry's just simply saying like hey, uh, not happening. we're going to we're going to pay others and we need the money now for the future instead of the guy who we've already re-upped and he sits third or fourth on that list right now. Um, but Martin's a great player. so
2: yeah, and it, it, this is where I like challenging the status quo of you know the thing would be never air this in public, never say anything publicly about it. And Jerry Jones has never really gone with the status quo in anything. No. But I, I just appreciate the honesty of this is what we're trying to do. You're under contract. Play up, play through the contract. We're trying to save money for Micah Parsons. I'm good with that.
1: Feels like the Kevin Byer deal. Take a yep. pay cut, please. We'll bring others in. And guess what Kevin Byer eventually players. did? That's exactly right. Restructured. Coming up, uh, we've got some detail on the Pac 12 media deal. That's next.
4: If you follow me throughout the years, you know I'm a South Dakota girl at heart who grew up in a ranching family. And I know that America First isn't just a political movement, it's a kitchen table issue, literally. You know, I always support American family-owned companies, ranchers, and farmers who put high-quality meat products on the tables of their fellow Americans. And my friends at Omaha Steaks are the experts. With Father's Day right around the corner, what better gift to give dad than the experience of world-class Omaha Steaks? This package includes a mouth-watering assortment of dad's grilling favorites like Omaha Steaks butcher's cut top sirloins, juicy boneless pork chops, deli-style gourmet jumbo franks, and their legendary Omaha Steaks burgers. Go to omahasteaks.com and use promo code OUTKICK at checkout. Get mouth-watering gift packages starting at just $99, and as a bonus, use promo code OUTKICK to get $10 off your order.
1: Chad, I'm a bit surprised that the monetary details haven't really popped around social media yet for the Pac-12 media deal. We do know that the commissioner, George Kleopakov, presented a potential TV deal to the leadership, the presidents, uh, the chancellors of the universities uh, in the PAC-12. Um, the, the reports are that no agreement had was being reached per reports, that the two sides remain hopeful of a new contract that can be finalized in another meeting expected soon. But we do know that the, uh, per Pete Thamel that the Apple TV deal is a primary streaming deal. The money, although initially maybe below where the Big 12 is expected to start, there's potential through subscriptions via Apple TV to go past the Big 12 number. That's
2: a little bit of a new tweak to the initial Thamel report.
1: But that would be the high watermark that Klavikov yeah. was boasting about in order to keep everything stabilized without giving any detail because you have to hit a certain subscription model and a threshold for that money to come in. And with all the The programs that are expected to leave, like Colorado has bolted. Oregon and Washington are expected to leave at some point whenever the Big Ten's ready to expand further. Uh, And who knows about Arizona, Arizona State, Utah? Who do you replace those programs with? And what is the value of the programs that come in for the subscription model that Apple TV has set up? It's got to be beneficial for Apple TV+. Plus. Regardless, I would presume, because if they're presenting this deal now, Chad, they're doing it under, with the understanding that the conference isn't going to look the same. The conference is basically, it's going to feel like the Mountain West if they're going to try to have any life raft and throw out some things as a parachute to programs that have you know asked for uh, admittance. And it have filled out the application. It can still feel a lot like
2: the Pac twelve if it's just one for one, San Diego State comes in for Colorado. I don't think that's a huge decline in what they were before. But if it's a if it's a big overhaul of we're gonna go add five, you yeah. know, uh, Memphis and Tulane and SMU and then yes, it starts to water it down a bit. But I'll also say I'm frustrated by the lack of information coming yes. out with this because We've heard about Apple TV for months, I feel like, as a possibility for the Pac-12, and now we're getting that primarily it's going to be Apple TV subscription. Well, what's secondarily? Yeah. What network's involved? I mean, wh- who else is at the negotiation? What, what else is in that deal? Because that's a huge part of this. Is it Fox? Is it ESPN with one game a week? Is it NBC? Is it CB- I mean, who is it? it the, to me, all that stuff matters. A lot with what? what is the secondary piece of this? What's the baseline amount of money going in? We now know that the reports are if they hit every single marker on the escalation system with subscriptions with Apple, then they could go over the Big 12. Well, we know that's not likely to happen. You'll surpass the Big 12. Whatever but, number that they put no, there is unlikely much.
1: to happen. Uh, why would you go over?
2: But what's the what? variance?
4: Where exactly. does it start?
2: Does it start at 18 million? And it could go to thirty-three million and, and go that, over. That certainly Or matters. does it start at twenty-eight but and it like could go a, to
1: thirty-five? The 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 question I would have though is, if you're Arizona, just like Colorado, if you're Arizona or Utah or Arizona State or any of these schools, if you want to leave for the Big Twelve, but you are waiting on the numbers, if the if the top tier value is based on a certain subscription number where you can surpass the big 12 number it's not going to be by much because why would apple tv bid against themselves uh at for for the best response to subscription numbers and if you're one of those programs why wouldn't you say well i'll just take the guaranteed annual money from the big 12 where it doesn't matter what happens we're we're getting this where it's it's year to year based on subscriptions i would presume for Apple TV when the details roll out I think another part of it Davey was telling us there's a there's a price increase for Apple TV uh, that's coming up on the monthly subscription rate well
2: I think it's gonna be two twofold they could go with that route and just say if you're an Apple TV subscriber we're gonna we're gonna up what you're paying a month I, I'm an Apple TV plus subscriber I don't know exactly what it is but they could just sneak in that extra three or four bucks a month and oh, by the way, now you get any Pac-12 game you want yeah, on or there. Or it'll be
1: the MLS
2: model. Exactly. Or but, uh, Which I'm assuming it's going to be the MLS model because they're going to charge something separate
1: right. to know exactly how much they're making to pay back to the Pac-12 Well, as part of that subscription. But I'm saying like, if, if Apple was wanting to wait with Klavikov before announcing this for them to roll out their price hike, which is going to be a couple bucks, I believe, for the basic subscription monthly rate, Uh, Which is like seven bucks now, I believe. If it goes up a bit, it's still you know less than ten bucks, I would presume, for the basic subscription. If you're waiting on that, that could help me understand why you're not letting the numbers get out yet. But other than that, Chad, there's there's no reason why they haven't been more transparent with this with their member institutions. It's it's not about the at this point the fan base or the, the the media that's clamoring for it. The, those that are clamming for it are the presidents and chancellors and athletic directors. They're saying, "Hey, like we're determining our future. We don't want to be on the outside looking in." Unlike you know Oregon State, who says they're backing everything about the the conference, no one else is really saying that. I, I, everyone else is waiting to see the the figures on a sheet of paper or in an email, in a, in a document. And I guess they touched the surface of that today in this meeting, but nothing was agreed to. Which is also interesting.
2: What's the price that sports fans would pay extra to watch Pac twelve football games on Apple TV? When on a Saturday, I mean let's let's be completely transparent here. But
1: you want to gamble on these games. About what you're
2: doing. Well, on a Saturday, you're watching your team play Mm -hmm. if you're around the TV all day, or you're flipping from network to network on television. Yes. Or you're on ESPN plus if you're a cord cutter because they've got, you know, 15 games going on. And you've once. got multiple
1: games on and different devices.
2: What are the odds you're going to go, you know, I'm going to cl- I'm going to switch over to Apple TV and watch this Oregon State Oregon game. I, I just Yeah. I think it's a tough sell. I mean, if it if it comes with my, with my subscription, I'll check it out when it's packed, you know, Pac-12 After Dark. I'll go to Apple TV Plus and watch, but it's a really tough sell to get people to go to that app only on a college football fall Saturday to watch the game unless you are specifically going because you are a diehard fan of that team playing in that Apple TV Plus game. If not, and you're just, you're wasting time until your team plays or you're trying to watch a college football game, you're channel surfing. Or you're going to one big game and keeping it there, then on commercial, you're going to another one. Or you're going to an app that has multiple games, not one that has one game at a time. So,
1: I th- I think it's a tough sell. I th- I think the 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 hesitancy on behalf of linear TV with the Pac-12 is exactly what we're seeing. From the Apple model, it's based on subscriptions. So wh- whoever they bring in, the payout's going to be based on the product. I think the linear TV model, Chad, for a game of the week even. What's the what's the product available? What's the inventory you're offering? Is it Oregon Oregon State or is Oregon leaving soon? is Arizona in this mix for or is Arizona bolting for the big 12? Is Utah there or is Utah going to follow BYU, their rival to the big 12? Because they don't want to be on the outside looking in, even though it would appear as though they're following their rival to the big 12 point being, what's the value if it is no different than CBS it has Bama LSU and, you know, uh, Georgia on practically every other week for their game of the week, even if it's a, poor opponent, the main brands would be the value for the linear TV model. But why would Apple give that away? Number one, number two, if you want subscriptions, number two, uh, if those brands are leaving for another conference, chances are ESPN, CBS, Fox, they're already going to have access to those programs. And then the second or third option, you're left with Oregon State, Washington State which is something that you wouldn't put on TV. You would put that on ESPN Plus as a game. You and see what here, I'm saying?
2: And here's another big problem that linear TV is telling the Pac-12. If all reports are true, that the two attractive windows of time for the Pac-12 is 10 o'clock on Saturday night or later at night on Friday night, what they're telling you is Pac-12 can't handle any competition with anything else. They have to have an exclusive window to succeed. The only time people watch the Pac-12 is because they're drunk and every other game's gone off. So they can turn over to that game and watch late at night with their buddies. Yeah. Or Friday night, you're home from a high school football game and you turn yeah. on the TV and, oh, there's the Pac-12 Friday night, late night game. That Big Ten, SEC, ACC to an extent, even the Big 12, they can have exclu- not, non-exclusive windows that do well. You can put three big games on from different conferences at 3.30 Eastern time, and networks feel like they'll do well because people want to watch those games. But what are we saying about the Pac-12? Well, they better not have any competition because that competition will win out. Give them an exclusive window of time, put them on there, and then maybe people will watch. That's not a big vote of confidence from linear television to tell you that. Now, I also see it that way, that you could make, some good money off of those two windows. A Friday night game of the week and a Saturday late night game of the week. Put your top two games on late at night, normal nighttime game for you on the West Coast, but late at night on the East Coast and then a Friday at 8pm Central kickoff or 9pm Central
1: where you have another big game that's on a network. But does does Arizona State against uh, Washington State gain more viewers than what ESPN is rolling out. I'm using it Yeah, example. because With ESPN's, Conference USA and the midweek games that they have now.
2: Well, I think it does because, you know, it's, it's better than Boise State-Utah. Or no, I'm sorry, Boise State, let's say Utah State, right? Okay. A conference game. Because I think you're going more late at night, the second game on a Friday on ESPN is like a Mountain West game. You know, something like that. But, um, I do
1: think Pac-12 but, would win in that window. But the Pac-12 could be adding Mountain West inventory,
2: though. Yeah, I still think. They're not yet, but I, I still think. If Oregon and Washington State and Arizona and Arizona State and Cal and Stanford, those are more attractive But even
1: with those brands, those games. even with those football brands, they're saying Pac-12 doesn't need competition head-to-head. Right. With Oregon in no, the No, yeah, absolutely. Which is crazy. Um,
2: because what's the most desirable slots to be in in the sec and the big 10, but
1: but it's, the, it's 11
2: a.m. The big noon kickoff yes. game is now big for the big 10, but think of all the competition at 11 a.m. Central noon Eastern every Saturday for eyeballs, tons of good games there. Then the next window, the late afternoon, tons of good games, 6 p.m. Central, seven o'clock Eastern. Again, you've got an but, ABC nighttime game with Herb street and, and court and and, and, and Fowler. You've got, Another prime time. You've got an NBC Big Ten night game coming. Yeah. You've got an ESPN window with Greg McElroy on the game. All those games are big, and they can all get a bunch of eyeballs.
1: But the the, the big brands are going to be on Apple TV+. Plus Because if you're Oregon and you're sticking with the Pac-12, why would you have the top-tier program on free TV when it's about subscriptions if you're actually going to make some money that's on par with the Big 12? So it's going to be a second or third tier program that linear TV would actually have an option to air. And that still looks more like a mountain West game head to head. So I don't, I don't think it's, I mean, I think it's a pipe dream that you could work out something where you have Oregon or Utah on free TV, free meaning, you know, cable. I, I just, it doesn't make sense if you're trying to sell subscriptions in order for your programs to make money in order for the Pac 12 to stay alive and not have teams leave or programs leave. Like that the model itself doesn't work in terms of how you distribute your value. Your value has to be pay to watch. And that's what they're signing up for because that's the biggest offer they have. It's a tiered
2: yeah. system. I just saw this from College Football Home, which is a funny Twitter follow. They've okay. put out a projected conference that they call Broke Pac Mountain. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it has Oregon and Washington bolting and Arizona bolting. And it consists of New Mexico, San Diego State, San Jose State, UNLV, Utah State, Wyoming, Air Force, Boise State, Colorado State, Fresno State, Hawaii, Nevada, Arizona State, Cal, Utah, Stanford, Oregon State, Washington State. And it, they just say enjoy. Gold it's, rush. Got a, it's got a logo and everything, Hutton. And it's got all the teams
1: lined up with their logos, the new conference.
2: Brooks, Broke, Pack, Pack Mountain.
1: Mountain. Chad, Love enjoy them. the time off. Well deserved. Thank you. Back Crush at it. it tomorrow. Hope you'll join us. Hot Mike with Hunting Withrow. We start at 3 o'clock Eastern.